Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week's episode of the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast is sponsored by Ashdown Engineering, a British bass amplification powerhouse whose gear is seen on the biggest stages in the world backing up the biggest bands in the world. But now Ashdown have expanded their expertise into bass guitars. Having teamed up with Master Luthier Dan Lackin previously of Lackland Basses, Ashdown are now offering five different models of US-designed basses, from classically inspired shapes to completely new designs fusing vintage sensibilities with all the modern applications a bassist needs. Available in an ever-expanding range of finishes and all for under a thousand pounds. These instruments are extremely exciting. Check them out at ashdownmusic.com or follow links in the description of this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast, a podcast by guitar nerds. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by JD Short. Hello. And Naomi McLeod. Hello, hello. Yes, yes, we're, we are we are all back. Welcome back to our uh, our bi-weekly bass guitar nerds podcast. Um, we've we've actually got lots to lots to talk about this week. So, uh, dear listener, we've uh, we've decided for this week we're going to we're going to each talk about um, a, a list of bass guitars that we consider to be the best ones in their perspective field. So, short scale, fretless, five string. Uh, etc. I don't mean a short scale fretless five string. There Whoa! Aren't, there, there, there aren't many of those, but we're going to be going through and seeing how we differ and what we agree on as being the best currently available instruments that you can purchase. Um, with the slight caveat that you know, I, I think we should try our best to not go too far into you know the world of like four or five thousand pound instruments and try and keep it as a as factory made as possible uh, in order to keep it you know reasonable um but before we do that uh boss have just released the oc5 um a pedal that we you know we would we were talking about the oc2 as being certainly so naomi you like the oc2 I am an OC2 aficionado, yes, I, a traditionalist, I, you might say. Exactly, they are fantastic pedals, but JD, not not so much. The OC2 isn't doesn't offer the uh, the clarity um, that that you like in a 
in a pedal. I don't know if we talked about the the OC three much and the sort of the weird. I don't know why it wasn't very good. Like I don't know how they went from the OC two to the OC three. Introduced like a weird drive circuit that no one no one wanted a a drive to be on the octave as well. You know, if you're using an octave pedal in your setup, you've probably got a drive pedal. Um, yeah, it was a weird addition. Who wanted was. or needed the drive yes. to be on board? Yeah, exactly. It was a it was a strange it was a strange option, and and certainly even on the sort of the 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 polyphonic side of it, I didn't feel that it really tracked quite as as well as the OC two. Even though obviously the OC two can't track polyphonically, but it was always a it was always just a little bit of a weird one. So it's wonderful that the OC five has turned up. And of course, this one, like the OC3, which I think had a, an input for bass and guitar, um, did. Boss, have, Boss have now gone for a little switch at the top. So you can turn it between a bass and a guitar, you know, uh, voicing or, or or whatever, which is uh, <laughs> which is pretty good. And they've added an octave up, which isn't so useful for us. Do either of you, would you use an octave up? I would absolutely use an octave up and i that's one of the things i like about my mutron octave is that it it has the sort of the their green ringer switch right in it and i i find that that with sort of an envelope is it gets you a lot of like really synthy sounds yeah anyway um but yeah like i i would say like the the polyphonic mode and the the octave up are the things that are making me sort of really really interested in trying the oc5 yeah yeah that that's kind of it it's it's very i mean that's something you've been able to do on a on a micropog for you know the last 15 years but um but it's nice that that option's there alongside this vintage mode sure that, that essentially no go on sorry uh, well, was, the, the vintage mode essentially has all the things from the oc2 plus the octave up which you know i i was just shutting off and then Com- like comparing it directly to the OC2 and how it how it sounded, and I, mm. I thought it did a really good job of being very very similar. Yeah, I think as well with the Pog. I mean, the Pog has always kind of had this characteristic Pog sound. That yeah, way back to even the first time I heard it and thought, you know, I was so wowed only because I'd never heard anything like the Pog, and certainly on bass, you know, it does create a strong first impression if it's the first of its type that you've heard. Sure. Granted, this was a million years ago when I was young, but um, yeah, I th- well, I think the the great thing that the OC2 and 3 and now 5 have done is is remain really transparent sounding, you know, it's, it's um, it, yeah, it's just so much, so much cleaner and clearer than the, than the very characteristic recognisable sound of a POG, certainly yeah. in terms of the octave up, um, like I definitely would be partial to, um, two octave up sound on bass. In fact, I use it sometimes in a in an albeit wonky setting on my boss PS6 Harmonist. Oh, as, really? Um, yeah, it has a, well, it has a range, but it has fourth, fifth, an octave up and two octaves up, which is decidedly dodgy, I would say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but one octave up is safe enough, you know, it's cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked to try the, um, to try the OC5 for the first time and, and get that sound on the go. And the demos I was listening to earlier, um, as they've, as they've all flooded in on, on release day, it, uh, it sounds pretty promising. 
Yeah, yeah. It's definitely very good. I can see wonderful application for guitarists in this range control, which, weirdly enough, Boss are really pushing the addition of this range control. But the range control was on the OC3. Like, it's this isn't, it's not a new thing. I, th- I thought it was weird that that's like, they're like, now with a range control. They had, you had this last time. But the, the idea of the range control is when you're in the polyphonic mode, um, the range control will control how many strings when you're playing a chord um, that it applies the octave effects to. Um, so you can turn it right down and just have it supply a root note, which is quite, you know, which is quite nice for guitarists who are bass playerless. But you know, for, sure. for us, it's you know, it, it it doesn't matter so much that range control is relatively, relatively irrelevant. Mm-hmm. My uh, my only thing with the OC five is why isn't it an OC two W? Now I need to I need to ask mm-hmm. Matt that. As in, why is this not a Wazacraft pedal called the OC2W? Because it, it's got those two modes, the vintage and the polyphonic mode. Well, what is Wazacraft if not vintage boss effects, you know, redone? And the vintage mode is quite specifically an OC2. So I don't understand. Half of this pedal is an OC2, but they're not calling it a they're not calling it a, an OC2W. I, I just kind of like Man, if you'd have called this the same product, OC2W, they could have slapped another £50 on the price and probably sold more (laughs) because people would want an OC2W. But as an OC5, it's sort of like they're leading with the polyphonic side of the pedal. And, you know, I think this pedal is very good. Boss do not have a good reputation for their quality sort of polyphonic circuitry. Like, that's Mm. not their strong point. Um, so it's and, and even though this one is fantastic, I do think this one's very good. It just seems to be leading with your sort of your weaker arm. Like I'm, I'm not in, entirely sure what, why they've made that decision. More from a marketing perspective than the product. The product itself, I think, is very good. Sure. How do, do you remember? Does anyone remember how long the OC3 has been out when it was released? What the time frame's been between? It's been a long time, hasn't it? You think yeah. the, the OC2 came out in 1984? Um, and, and then I guess the OC3, I feel like it's always been available. Like I wanted to, I didn't play the OC3 cause I don't really like it on the mm. video I did of it, but I oh, dug yeah, out sure. my OC3 just to have it sort of sitting on the stand. So you next see to all, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think this one OC3 I've had, you know, I, I guess since, you know, my first or second band. So like. 2000 2001 i think right so it's, it's, that was what i was thinking was was it early 2000s so yeah. it's it's this is long awaited the oc5 because yeah. i mean really we've we the market <laughs> as i yeah. speak for a whole market have been after the oc2 and it's and it's ultimate update for for whatever people felt was missed in the oc3 right yeah yeah so i, f- I feel like boss are kind of running out of those old pedals now to reissue mm. and may- maybe that's their plan they'll do the oc2w later but of course the big sort off after boss pedals and i kind of feel like bass players almost have the monopoly on vintage on sought after vintage boss pedals mm-hmm. because I-, I think of like the cs2 um as like a, mm. a a gorgeous sounding you know old messy compressor um the the vb2 the oc2 
um, and probably the Dimension C. Those are like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, these are the ones that you think of as being legendary. And I think most, the Dimension C, obviously, chorus is equal parts guitar and bass suitable. But I kind of feel like the VB2, the compressor and the Octaver are quite bass player orientated pedals. Yeah, for sure. But that, that might actually also just be because I'm really into Juan Audret and he uses those pedals, so it's uh, it's uh, it is probably that. Um, Almost anyway. like you're a man of good taste. <laughs> yes, there you go. But yeah, there you go, dear listener. So the OC five, I really think it's worth checking out. I mean, it's I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's reinventing the wheel or anything like that. But it's certainly got some wonderful features that that make it. Um, you know, a, a a perfect option if you're looking for an Octaver. I think you'd be hard pushed to find something that's uh, that's got more options on it uh, at the moment for a reasonable sum of money. Um, but uh, but yes, we should talk about these this list of bass guitars. So I, I, I was thinking, I was reading this article on uh, yeah, I think in Music Radar um, that was talking about like Music Radar's top ten. Uh, bases but it wasn't really it wasn't like t- one to ten it was like this is the one we think's the best fretless this is the one we think is the best you know whatever and and i thought oh, that's that's quite an interesting list their choices were very very predictable um and they were just sort of the obvious one like the ones that you will see in most guitar shops um and so i started wondering well i wonder what the 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 actual best options are for each of us so I thought I'd split it into five categories. Best affordable bass, best short scale bass, best fretless bass, best five string, and then best bass, which is obviously incredibly vague. The caveat is that all of these basses need to be currently produced. We can't be sort of, you know, the best bass is a 1962 precision bass. It has to be something you can currently buy new in a shop. And as much as we can, although, you know, this is we're being being quite lenient with this one i think we should try and stick to models that you can purchase for the best part in a shop rather than sort of you know if we if we're you know talking Custom about build yeah because yeah. Yeah, of course the answer to all of these is a, a custom build by some one company or another you know but yeah it would Cons- be great consult if we... a guy who knows a guy yeah yeah exactly exactly so so we'll t- we'll kind of take this one at a time and go around the room and we'll talk about each one um, and see how that goes. So let's start at number one. Let's start with best affordable bass, and we'll start with you, JD. Yeah. So, just a follow-up question: uh, What does one mean by affordable? Uh, and so yes, yeah. I'll say sort of like what I was sort of thinking about with it uh, was not necessarily the sort of bare bones, like lowest. Like, um, basically the, the easy, the, like cheapest, but like most reasonable, like hundred quid sort of, that's a bare minimum what you're going to pay to get something that stays in tune exactly. for at least 10 minutes at a time. So, yeah. Um, so, oh, sorry, carry on. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. So, so I, yeah, exactly that. I, I was thinking, you know, yes, best affordable base. We, we could talk about uh, affinity squires. Sure. But they're not, you know. They probably are, like, if you've got £150 to spend on an instrument, but I kind of feel like that it needs to be affordable, I guess, 
the top end of that like 400 450 pounds man i know that's i know that's not incredibly affordable but i think that's that's really the first time that these are going to be fantastic instruments and it has it's like something that you can actually use not something you can give a beginner but what's the best affordable base i almost mean what's the least amount of money you can spend on something that will literally be fantastic um i think that's the angle yeah so i think um sort of what i would i've almost always advised people of for decades now um is the same is would be my go-to that's what i would probably get in this range would be the yamaha bb 234 uh, which is the pj um yamaha um four string that's out there that i just I always feel like certainly at the the lower end, there's always so much about Yamaha that is like quality is consistent across everything they do. Like I used to work in a piano store and the Yamaha pianos were always some of my favorites in each price point. And then so like just seeing those with basses, there's just something I feel like they play a little bit sleeker. And there's something about the tone that is a little more, it's a little richer, like the, the, the base end of the spectrum is, is more rounded and the the top end is, is more clarion. Like it's, it's more piercing without being brittle. Yeah. And I think it's just like, like, you know, like value wise, I think that's sort of, they're one of my favorite, like most assured purchases out there. Yeah, the I mean they're like around three hundred pounds. Yeah, the, three the, three three fifty, depending on what you're kind of looking at. Um, and 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 another great thing about that series, the two series of BBs, is that there's a there's a massive range of colours, which is very yeah. good. I mean, it being a PJ, this is a this is a great thing for an affordable base to be because it's versatile. Um, I really like this whole rein this this reinvention of the BB series. Um, I think they were really good coming on from the four two four and uh, yeah. was it four one four four two four and then I can't remember the expensive ones. There's a seven three four. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I, I went through a period of being obsessed with BB bases when I was obsessed with Billy Sheehan, which I still am a bit. He's still very very good, but um, I bought like his. He had a signature BB model, um, uh, which was very good, and I owned a, a couple of vintage ones and. I owned a couple of 424s and Yamaha actually um, called me in for the design, um, the the sort of R&D uh, side of, of this series, the BB234s and everything that's come in that model. Wow, um, that's, that's hella cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I got to sort of go, you know, just to this place in London and then they just had a bunch of bass players and we they asked us what we wanted we had a room full of bases of other brands and they mm. wanted us to play those and talk about what we thought um should be the changes and it was we you know i didn't i wasn't then contacted again you know and obviously i just saw these come out and one of the things that a few things that were really lovely that i think they took note that were things i was saying i'm sure other players were saying them as well i'm not saying they've done this because of me but they certainly were my main points was get away from the Yamaha sized PJ pickups that they were using on the previous series. So you couldn't retrofit your own pickups. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's great that on the 
on the 200 series, well, on all of the new Yamaha BBs, they've gone for conventional sort of Fender, you know, size PJs so that you can upgrade this instrument with you as you move. And one of the other things was move away from like standardized colors because those 414s and 424s were all like white, red, black, sunburst. You know, it's just the the standard yeah. collection, and they had some really interesting finishing ideas in the in the new Yamaha stuff. I, I really, totally I really like the teal, the teal in the new the one that they brought out is so tasty. Yes, the teal was very good. Um, uh, yeah, the 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 entire series was is kind of fantastic across the board. I didn't even think about these when I was thinking about mine, JD. This is a fantastic yeah. choice. Oh, excellent! Thank you. Mm. I'm excited to to hear what. Well, y'all's think. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, Naomi, uh, your favourite. You, what, what do you think is the best affordable bass guitar? Well, I've had to make a mini list within my list, thanks to JD, because I had a BB234 <laughs> down there too. Really? I, well, that, that's you know, fantastic, though. You know, it, well, it is. I mean, two votes for BB, right? But um, I genuinely did because I, you know, I know I've uh, since joining the podcast i've talked quite a bit about fender and squire and you know i'm yeah. very unashamed in my very traditional tastes towards those but i i thought for the purposes of this list uh as a mini personal challenge it might be nice to to double check what else i'm what else i'm feeling out there so um the other one i had was the sterling sub stingray 4 mm. sitting under the 400 pound mark they are they are very good um, yeah, those, the, had a f- yeah, had a few of those come by the the last store I worked in, and um, I really enjoyed watching them come in and go straight back out. And again, <laughs> you know, they fulfilled the the criteria of a super nice range of um, of finishes. They do a, like a I don't know what they call it. It's sort of like a Fiesta Red. They do their version of I think they do call it Fiesta or Fire oh, Red. Yeah, is that um, on their classic the classic version of the sub? Is that right? I think they it, might, do... it might be even cheaper actually than the than the ones I'm looking at, or it could oh, just really? be by by finish. But the the Fiesta Red one I saw, I mean, that's literally around it's about three two nine pounds. You'll see it online. Um, but yeah, I mean the you know the spec is there's nothing too wild going on there. They've got the got the classic pickup. They've got a basswood body um maple necks and then with with rosewood and rosewood and maple options in the fingerboard um but i mean how, you, they'll they'll just pack pack that stingray punch well um, the, yeah that's it how, how do you have you ever owned a stingray i no i i haven't owned a proper stingray i have owned my first ever base was a vintage stingray copy would you believe right um so tonally i guess i sort of grew up with um with that kind of very much bouncing around my ears, that um that more classic tone. But no, I've I've only been I've only been lucky to play some really nice stingrays. I've always found it to be um like the most marmite of all the sort of bass configurate pickup configurations you can have. That big sort of often active eight eight pole humbucker in the bridge. Yes. Yeah, it is controversial for sure. It's not for everyone. It's not the most transparent sounding bass. If you no. were to, I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on what constitutes a transparent sounding bass, right? But in terms of the more classic tones that we've heard um, of the, you know, the P and the J type, um, yeah. it, it does bring something different to the table for sure. Yeah, absolutely. JD, have you ever owned one? I've never owned 
a stingray and part of it i wanted one very badly um mostly early flea post uh um post what was he play specter um flea and then one of my one of my sort of early base big brothers that i looked up to had i think it was a late mid late 70s um mid late 70s stingray in butterscotch with a tort pick guard and it was with maple maple fretboard and it was amazing and then another friend of mine had had a stingray with like a it was just you know sort of standard with like a rosewood board and i i would play it when we were over at his at his house and i could just it just never really could never really sit with me right you know and it was like so much of what i liked at the time was very stingray-ish and i i just it just wasn't didn't really fit with me i will say though the newer stingrays they came out with a couple of years ago the the ones that are smaller and lighter yeah i really really liked those in like a way that it never made me sort of this sort of like piqued my interest in a way that it it hadn't done for a long time do you, do you think it was because of the the body reshaping? Because they made them slightly yeah. lighter, thinner. It's a slightly smaller frame because they are they do weigh a ton. Those like a big old ash, you know, yeah. stingray. Yeah, it it must be like there's always something around like the the playability for me was never really was never really there. And like Lewis Johnson always played stingray. You know, like so many classic things that I really that I really like are stingray. But it was. You know, again, kind of as we were talking about, I think it was they were one of the the first like mass market, active, big, bold, base in your face sort of bases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it was like I think by the time I was sort of into that, there was so many more options that had been redefined and like refined in ways that made more sense to me. But I I love them. I just never I've never found the right one for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I, I guess that's kind of the thing with the Stingray. I think I think you do have to. They have changed so much um, that I think there's. Whilst there is a Stingray sound, I think it varies from kind of model to model and iteration to iteration, like quite a lot. Naomi, what made you like not carry on pursuing Stingrays then? If you sort of if your first instrument was one of them, why didn't you? graduate onto an an actual one what made you move on to different pickup configurations um i became aware a few years further into my extremely youth youth uh youthful hazy bass forays <laughs> of a certain <laughs> instrument known as the fender jazz bass joe right. and I you see. could <laughs> say i never looked back right. um yeah well you know Interestingly, my first ever bass, that that same Stingray copy was a five string as well. Uh-huh. Um, I was, what can I say? I was listening to an awful lot of corn around this time. <laughs> and, um, it was going to go, it was going to go Ibanez or, or, or Stingray copy as it ended yeah. up. I mean, yeah, I suppose I, I just wanted to focus my playing and my learning and I suppose my style into something a little more, um, a little more on the straight and narrow and thus a jazz bass kind of made sense as a slightly more versatile instrument to move on with. Um, I still to this day think stingrays are monsters of tone. Um, You know, like you guys are saying that, that huge active boomy, 
boomy tone um i still think is is mighty but uh in my personal experience i've just been able to to use the jazz bass for more on um yeah. to to especially as as on my personal playing journey i've kind of ended up going down you know the the bassist for hire kind of root of potentially using the same bass several times in a week for completely different gigs um and while I've seen, you know, obviously there are incredible players out there doing the same and um, using their their stingrays in, in very versatile ways, it, it just hasn't been for me. Yeah. Um, but it's not to say that it's not an awesome instrument. And it, I do stand by my, my affordable choice for what it's worth. <laughs> Absolutely would recommend um, the Sub Stingray 4 for anyone looking around in that in that lower lower they, end market they are very good you're absolutely right and i think those uh i mean those those stingrays are made by court for um for sterling music man and i've got a lot sure. of time for that brand i think mm-hmm. they make fantastic quality stuff at the price point they turn stuff out and i agree with you i think it's a fantastic affordable um affordable instrument now as we've had kind of a pj and we've had a um, yes, yeah, a Stingray style pickup. I'm glad that mine's going to be something slightly different because I was thinking, and I, you know, I'm, I'm surprised this hasn't come up, although I think it's testament to Yamaha that kind of that both of you were sort of leaning towards those ones. But mm-hmm. um, I was sure I'd be um, pipped to the post on this. Sire, um, the Sire Marcus Millers, their new V7 jazz basses. Um, the version yes, it's, it's V seven is the range. It's version two, isn't it? It's their it's their upgraded their version Mark two, two yeah. of the, the Mark two, yes, um, of the V sevens, which is their jazz bass series. I had a, a friend who bought you know one of the five strings and was like, I I, I this is as good as my he is his you know five string Fender Deluxe or whatever he was he was playing at the time. Um, and you know, having sat down with them, I'm like, yeah, I, I can't believe the quality that they're turning out. I love the kind of ethic behind Marcus Miller and what he was trying to achieve with these guitars. The fact that Sire approached him and he was like, he was very much like, well, I'm not doing it to slap my name on it. We have to make it very good. And he specifically moved away from Fender because he didn't like that his signature model was eight, nine hundred pounds, and he wanted to have an instrument that kids could play. And that was the, the the idea behind the the V sevens, certainly. And that is um, very cool, both from a both from a business and from an, an ethical point of view, because you know, if you're gonna put your name to something you do just wanna get as many people as possible playing your instrument, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it, it just feels like they're so um there are no cut corners on these. Yeah. You know, you, you you've For got sure. um it's like a, a four band EQ on uh, on the bass. Plus, you've got active passive switching, which is something that Fender don't offer on their Mexican active range. You have to go to American active to uh, to actually get an active passive switch on a Fender. So they introduced all of that. Plus, it's an eighteen volt preamp on the on the uh, V sevens. So these yeah. things sound absolutely incredible, substantial bass. And the great thing was with the new ones that are available now, now mine are a little bit more expensive than yours because I'm coming in at £415, which is right on the edge of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But they released one in Burgundy Mist. Yeah, I'm looking at it right of... now, yeah. <laughs> thinking of you. It all makes sense. Yeah, there you go. it's yes. beautiful looking. Look They're at great. that. All of their appointments are, you know, you just like... 
still, I mean, I'm I'm unsurprised by this second gen kind of living up to the the big splash that the first generation made. But I mean, the neck inlays, the the purloid pickguard. Is it a sparkle finish? The burgundy. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a metallic finish rather than sort of it's sparkle, metallic. But yeah. yeah, but it it. I mean, it looks every bit as good as Sparkle. It might just be the photos I'm looking at here on um, yeah. online. But it's, I mean, yeah, their finishes are every bit as good as bases three times the price. Well, exactly. Yeah. Matching headstock, as you say, like rosewood neck with big perloid block inlays. Like This is the sort of, when you when you come to the aesthetics, this is the sort of thing that you won't see until custom shop on yeah. on fenders like color options like that with cool appointments like that yeah um, absolutely that plus sort of the versatility of the active passive the switching options you know you've essentially got an entire amp head on the fr- you know on the front of your on the front of your base when it comes to tone shaping um i even yeah. think the headstock's okay and i think for i i i'm sure that these are being sold by the absolute boatload um because you know why why wouldn't why would you buy a fender alternative at this price point where you get so much more bang for your buck um from the from the sires they are extremely good yeah absolutely i mean i'm just looking through the range here and it's making me remember the first time i don't know was it when did those first ranges come out? Was it five oh, years ago? Yeah, yeah about, about five-ish it feels, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like 2015. I still remember my first time hearing one being gigged and thinking that, you know, this literally sounds like American Deluxe good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is insane. And I remember going up to my friend who was playing it and, you know, asking him how much he'd paid. And, you know, was it true that, um, was it true that this range was really kind of all in the... Well, euro in my case, you know, four hundred to to six seven hundred euro range, and yeah. the splash that they made among kind of bassist groups on Facebook, and I'm sure for you guys as well, with guitar nerds, just this kind of delighted disbelief of um of what we were seeing kind of hit the market, um, and like you're saying in terms of just seeing those appointments that you really don't see elsewhere, um, elsewhere in any product range, um. On the on the bigger market anyway at this price point. Yeah. It's, um, what's what is not to love? I would right. ask. Exactly. Exactly. They are. Yeah. Really. Really good. And I hope they continue. But yes. So there you go. Cool. Best best affordable base. I think those are some great options. Um, if not a little predictable maybe, but I think affordable bases are going to be. You know, well, our, our decisions are just. With I know we're you're wanting to wrap up. I just want to say like. I did. I did have had the first thought was when I was like affordable. It's like, oh well, sire, um, like that's that's. I feel like that's probably the answer. I do want to give another shout. That one of the other ones I thought about thinking that was probably uh-huh. less predictable was the uh, the Steinberger Spirit, like the XT series that you can get, which is the the little um, headless wedge bodied basswood. Um, maple <laughs> oh. ridiculous choice <laughs> yeah that, that super that, predictable that's one of those things that's like always i i had one ages and ages ago um and i don't have it anymore because i lost a piece and it was back when the hardware was it would have cost me three times the amount to get piece like parts for it it <laughs> would um to get it because there's no reverb there's I wasn't even eBay then and yeah, it was just one of those things where I got rid of it but yeah like thinking about it I was like yeah that's that's another one that I'd be like yeah I'd get this and I would 
I would play it a lot. So that was that was my other shout to make it less predictable. <laughs> They're so. definitely great. I think they come with their own gig bags, even yeah, at, at that price to. point. Yeah, uh, which you know, it it looks like a sort of a fishing rod, um, soft case. The uh, the uh, those those Steinbergers, but they're uh, they yes they they are very very good. I found them a bit hit and miss. I remember yeah. when we, when I we mean, had them. Like... Speaking of Marmite, you know they are definitely a Marmite choice. But yeah, I think it's yeah. At least you won't get your gig bags mixed up at the side of the stage, though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, yeah exactly. well, not not with you know other bassists and guitarists, but maybe the lighting person or you know sure. like, or just you know a janitor or a bunch something. of mic stands yeah 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 exactly it's good to live well, on the edge yeah they, i've never i've never owned one I've, I've often thought about it um but as i get older and inevitably fatter i require large body bases to hide the 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 beer belly and so you know smaller bodies they're just gonna just, em- just put like a big it. beard on it or like a some sort of drape drape a cloth like underneath it that's a great sort of, idea yeah just 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 play from behind a drape with the yeah. arms and base in front yeah like backlit say. of course yeah. why, why sheet in front of you backlit just your silhouette that's and it's it a place for your face so like you could have yeah. like so you can you know you still pull i, I faces think I, i'm moving more towards this as an idea i think that's inevitably where i'm gonna end up but that you know that's it's, it's okay for for now I, I can rely on these big body bases anyway Let's uh, let's talk about short scale bases. So the best short scale bases. Um, uh, Naomi, why don't you start this one? Um, well, after my earlier boast about trying to stay away from um, Fender, uh, we're going to go straight back to Fender, and I'm going to tell you my short scale bass choice is um, among the nicest bases I've played in the last few years is the JMJ Mustang. Um, so just on Justin Meldal Johnson signature uh, Mustang that came out a little while ago, two years ago, was it yeah. a 2018 yeah, release? Like um, comes in just under the thousand pound mark, probably a little over in dollars. Um, but yeah, it is a relict. Um, is it like plastic blue or is it turquoise? No, it's uh, it is. Um, uh, is it's it not like plastic like... blue? Uh, I guess it is Lake Placid Blue, yeah. I need to double check that. It's it's, also um, available in black, though. Uh, It was for a limited edition run. And they actually did a limited run in Firemus Gold as well. Always in the... uh, Because it's like a road-worn relic. It's of that standard, isn't it? Yeah, so it's it's not unlike the Shell Pink Flea flea signature that we saw. Uh, Yeah. Well, yeah, signature flea jazz bass. But yeah, so Relic and indeed Road Worn means uh, straight out the box. It's got that worn in feel, um, meaning the two that I got to play that I saw come through a store um, just both felt so easy, so enjoyable to play uh, from the neck um, in hand. It's got a C-profile neck, super lightweight. Um, Came strung with flats, didn't it? It did come strung with flats, or does. That is true. Yeah. yeah, and just kind of pleasantly aged in every way. You've got lollipop tuners on there yes, as well. Yeah, such a nice touch. You've got an aged perloid pickguard and the perloid fret dots. So, yeah, I mean, going straight back to appointments, it's kind of one that certainly fit all my criteria. I know Roadworn isn't for everyone. Relic, indeed, is, is I don't know, is it becoming more contentious? But a lot of people are kind of... I see a lot of people kind of sniffing at... um 
sniffing at the idea of purchasing a relict instrument, you know, purchasing something that looks pre-wrecked. Is it is it pretentious? Yeah. I don't see it as any different to how fashionable distressed clothes have been over the years. You know, it's, if if you like something visually, absolutely don't let it stop you. If it's also an instrument that sounds fantastic and feels great to play thanks to its worn inness. Yeah. Um but yeah, for a short scale, um I mean I'm I'm a huge short scale fan anyway. Um, I was I was very interested to hear what you jump up with for this because for you this must have been very difficult um to, to yeah. sort of narrow it down to one. Well well um considering best base was on our list I will I will say a short scale fe- just fell in there by accident fine, fine, by right. on purpose by accident so we can leave that to later or I can bunch mine together and then give mm. you guys the time later so no no that's uh, yeah I I want to hear that when it comes round okay, sure that's fine that's fine they, yeah they're absolutely fantastic bases I mean Mustangs are really really good um, JD have you ever owned a Mustang I have not owned a Mustang. Do you do you not like them? Is it is it like a is it a deliberate not liking or is it just not something you've ever been interested it, in? It's just really it's really not something I've um that I've just had much experience with. Um and it's only sort of been probably in the last f- few years that I've sort of been intrigued by them. Um and just sort of like any sort of yeah, sort of any any short scale bass in general, and you know a lot of it is that they weren't when I was still you know like in music shops every day. It felt like I they weren't in production really, yeah. so it wasn't yeah, anything yeah. you you would see. And um, and I spent most of my time having like one main bass, you know, and and so like it's either been like my the custom build I had done, you know, like ages ago, or it's sort of and then it, it so then they always sort of felt like more like like play things more than which is totally fine and in acceptable and I would love to have one now I just I just haven't really I haven't had the time with them that I would I would like to have selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair, fair enough. I think the I think Mustangs are amongst the most playable short scale bases. It is they definitely feel the most different. I don't know if you find this, Naomi, but because because Fender have stuck to that um the horn over the twelfth fret thing, mm, mm-hmm. it just it pulls the neck in so much closer than other short scales because, you know, normally short scales have more of a um like a Gibson y aesthetic which means that neck's naturally further away from you so it doesn't feel that much different from a 34 inch scale but with the with the mustang everything's really close in um yeah for sure i mean it it is it is that bit harder to play a mustang i find than than a 34 inch um but yeah that that's something that i i personally enjoy by way of how it modifies the playing how it modifies writing mm. um and performing as well like it it you know it's a hugely different feel to perform on um it, you know especially if like in my case where at one point in one previous band i was swapping between a mustang and a jazz bass and a p bass um <laughs> in in the one set because yes i was that pretentious um <laughs> Well, no, it was we were we were using three different tunings. We were in standard sure. drop D and I think CG CG. Needless to say, the Mustang was not the one in CG CG. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually that's you know like JD. You say short scale basses weren't around. I think it was partly that, and and also I'm kind of the same. I've only come around to short scale basses recently, and mm. I feel like that's with the reason for that is how easy custom strings like we talked about yeah. Yeah. Um, Norton strings and and uh, the. Uh, the other week Mm -hmm. and it's kind of that has changed things for me because the problem with short scales is all the strings are like 40 to 100 and it's ah well i certainly can't get into d standard on 40 to 100 it's not you know not with sort of being able to play with any speed because their strings will be hanging off yeah your dexterity is out the window with with the wrong gauge on even on the right bass isn't it Exactly. So, like the so the now that you can basically order whatever string you want, you know, from plenty of custom shops out there, then uh, it's just made short scales kind of an option, um, which is which is nice. But yes, I totally because the the JMJ Mustang is absolutely fantastic. I can't believe it's not a custom shop. It feels, looks, and plays like a custom shop, and it's. Yeah, you know, a thousand pounds is very good indeed. Yeah, um, faded, faded Daphne blue. By the way, was that was what it was the color? Like, the yeah, color we saw. Yeah. I had I had Sonic Blue swimming around my head, which mm. was um, faded Sonic Blue came back in with the PJ Mustang release that they did right. in twenty seventeen. I bought one of those. Um, I so bought did one of those I. in that color. Um, it was Snap. very good. That's funny. Oh, oh, is that the one you had? Oh, I thought you had the yeah. white one. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I had the, I had the faded blue. I did sell it on, um, and then obviously eventually got, got the, um, got the Bronco on the go. Do you still have your PJ? I, I, I sold it on, but, but I will say, like when I had it, it was for recording the best bass. I, I almost don't like the PJ made it versatile. The short scale made it 
playable mm-hmm. um, as much as I'm a like a sucker for vintage stuff. Certainly, if anyone ever has to see me, I want to be playing something vintage. But I do appreciate, <laughs> you know, when I'm behind closed doors, I do appreciate an unfinished neck. You know, it does make things a bit quicker and easier. And and I, I just thought everything about those PJ Mustangs was was unbelievably good for the price point for me. It nearly won short scale. It hasn't for me. It nearly won short scale and nearly won best affordable because they're like three hundred and fifty pounds or whatever. Oh, or, or are they a bit more? Maybe that's I the second hand price. I think they might be a bit more. Yeah, it was. But, it was about five nine nine when I right, bought mine. I, I think they might have yeah. come down close to the five mark. But yeah, they they are just they are absolutely brilliant, and you see them all over the place. And I yeah. think they're a wonderful base for getting people into bases. And kind of, you know, and then Fender did a great job of being like, ah, oh, we'll do one in shell pink. We'll do one in butterscotch with a black plate. Like, we'll do one in firemist gold. They did them in all these cool colours that got yeah. people coming back for more of them. You know, it was yeah. just a, I don't know for why sure. this this one isn't hasn't won everything. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I this. I think it. was it the second run they did because I remember it was. Faded Sonic Blue, Olympic White, and Torino Red first, I believe. Yeah. But then the second run, they did a Capri Orange. And boy, did I regret not waiting and getting oh. one in Capri Orange because it looked very good indeed. It it really did. Um, yeah. Yeah, they uh, they were a- absolutely fantastic. A, a, a friend of the podcast, Charlie Ralphs, who, uh, who used to work with all of the other Guitar Nerds team at GAC, she... Um, is obsessed with with mustangs and uh and also with pink things and she has a, a a massive collection of sort of music masters and mustangs and i think yeah i i i'm not sure she bought she bought that pj in every color but it definitely the 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 orange was one of them and it was very frustrating for her when fender released new colors in that base because it was you know whatever yeah 500 quid and it was you know absolutely spot on yeah, it's the trouble of of um of being really into a model that you've just bought that is current model with Fender, isn't it? Is they're probably around the corner from releasing it in an even cooler color. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, JD, let's talk short scales. Yeah, so I was initially gonna go straight for the Nordstrand Asina Nix, which we've talked about. Oh, yeah. um, oh. But then with the caveat nice. or cat fiat of um, of being available in a shop, which I think those likely are, but are harder to get. So thinking like bigger, bigger availability. Um, also, the same thing I was thinking about Sarek. So then mm-hmm. kind of coming back to this. So what I ended up going for um, also leaving off Alembic and uh, status um bases as you know we've uh ruled those out otherwise those would be uh up there as well um i picked the uh which i think you can still well you can definitely still get it but um the uh epiphone alan woody rumble cat oh yes another base that i have owned but yes tell us about the rumble cat yeah so the rumble cat it's um 30 inch scale length and is I'd have to think about it. It's one of those bases I've played and was like... And I just thought it was 32. So, is it 32? I, I thought it was 32, yeah. yeah. Um, well, either way, that still counts as short scale. Yeah, it, less look, than it's, 34 it's, inches. Yeah. Um, it's 30 on the list in here. Oh, it's 30? Really? Yeah. yeah. God. Yeah. I, okay, also just, I apologize. I also <laughs> just love it that these only come on wine red, um, which is just great. 
yeah. and that uh, so with them, they're also I think what roughly around four hundred four fifty quid. Yeah. I think yeah. So uh, set neck um, mahogany um, ironwood pow ferro fingerboard, uh, which is also what I have on my um, my custom build. Oh, and really? you know it's just like everything you get the the traditional like you know like Epiphone floating bridge two um two pickups and then i can't remember what all it's three i think it's volume volume tone or something like that on the uh for the controls but it's yeah, just I such a so. nice i mean it's not it's not the most versatile instrument i don't think you know like it's it's, it's, it's two mini humbuckers one yeah. in the neck and one in the middle which is definitely a very specific tone yeah well and it's also just yeah it, it is a, a big boomy gnarly beast of a sound but yeah it's sort of the things where i think like if if they weren't epiphone like the the rumble cat and the jack cassidy bass you know like yeah. i think if if there were you know, like if some other company made those and it wasn't seen as like a, a baby Gibson kind of thing, like I think they would probably sell three times as much because like those bases for me are just such great. There's such great value and they don't have a ton of competition in like what they do, you know, for for how much you get them for. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought... um I thought that the yeah the Rumble Cat was so much bang for its buck to have this lovely like chambered sort of Les Paul shape, but with like a three three five ear on the yeah. on the lower horn, um, like unusual pickup placement, and for the price point, it was incredible. At the time, I was going through a weird phase in my life where I was playing a um, I'd bought a a, a Gibson custom shop, Memphis made. <laughs> okay get this it's a gibson custom shop memphis made um hollow les paul bass short scale yes. gold top just did, did either of you remember this it was yes. something that they did yes. make available for a little while i paid so much money for that bass yeah i, I don't know it was that and i needed a second one obviously just for gigs in case something went wrong and i bought the rumble cat and I ended up playing the Rumble Cat more than I was the 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 Les Paul bass, um, just because it was just a little bit more versatile, and I guess I was less afraid to throw it around, and it, you know it felt less yeah. likely to break. Sure, was uh was this the Les Paul bass with F holes? Mm. My yeah, the yeah. ES ES Actually, Les Paul. I did the I did the like the YouTube advert for Boss for their. For the Dimension C um, chorus, and uh, I played that bass for for that video. They had really specific um, criteria when I turned up at the studio, and they were like, um, they'd called me knowing sort of my ridiculous collection. They were like, we really want you to play something that people own you know don't don't bring a weird custom shop you know like don't bring a weird sort of don't bring the stonefield was i think what they were saying like they were like you need to have something that is is normal for like you know market normal. market applicable yes exactly yeah. and i turned up with this short scale hollow body gibson and and, and uh, my excuse was i was like well gibson gibson are a, a main brand you know everyone everyone knows gibson and uh yeah 
notice that, that I'm in I'm in about five seconds of that advert now. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely yeah. love that. That's yeah. like the bull in a china shop equivalent of show up with something classic, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely a mistake, but which probably had they not mentioned something beforehand, you would have just been there with like a jazz bass or like a P bass. You know, probably, you would have brought yeah. a P bass and been like, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was, in drop yeah, it was, F or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, there was. I mean, also I turned up with a bass like strung with flats to do a, a video demo for a chorus pedal, like something that really requires treble to to kind of work well. So it's, uh, I don't think they were very happy with me. Actually, that's the last time they employed me. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> So I wonder if that's uh, maybe put two and two together. But we love boss. One. Boss are very cool. Awesome yes. boss. Yes, boss our boss. Um, well, yeah, I think uh, I think the the Rumble Cat is a is a very cool choice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, very cool. Um, I have chosen the the Godin Dorchester. Oh, nice. Nice. You, are you aware of the Godin Dorchester, JD? Uh, just Godin is such a good shout. Oh, that's um, such a good. Just like the, they're one of those ones I always feel like are under the radar, and everything yes. I've ever played by them is just solidly good. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I think about them. They're, they're so good, but they're totally under the radar. Like, I almost felt when I was looking through their range of bases, I was like, man, I could literally choose them for every category here. Um, but the, the Dorchester for me was something that really stood out, and I was very excited about when they released it because it is a, a, a moss right style body shape but they've very much given it their own edge they've changed those horns there's something slightly sg-esque about the the horns on the top but it's still that offset body it's just gorgeous it's a perfect looking sleek cool retro instrument yeah you know. it's yeah, yeah. Super i remember cool this this is also now just making me head hang my head because what i had thought earlier was the reverend mike watt for short scale but oh. this is like giving me some more on that later as far as that yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it's very good and probably the only other company to be doing um uh like B- b90s um, I literally was just going to say, are these two base P90 yeah, shapes? Yeah, they, they are the Godin yeah. Passive Kingpin Dogged Alnico Bass Pickups, as they are catchily awesome. named. I'm super curious to hear this. It's not a bass I've I've seen before. Am yeah. I right in thinking, Joe, that... So Godin are like, they're the same... Uh, are they under the same parent as like Seagull and Art and Lutheran? That's correct. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the same... Because, all... yeah, the, the little bit I heard about these guys was really awesome in terms of um ethical wood farming and sourcing and all that sort of stuff so they they seem to have a lot going on besides their um besides their brilliant building i mean golden i think are are kind of most well known for for a lot of their acoustic products right absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, and they have i I just wonder if maybe because they're a canadian company so it might be Mm. like i have seen them maybe in the wild a bit more but like there's I've seen like I've had and been in bands with some people that have played played them and or I've had like friends that have had like acoustics and stuff that are always around and it's that same sort of they they always sound much richer than you would expect them to sound certainly right. for the price you usually get them for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's this this is the thing the the 
the problem with Godin is, for me, is you don't see them over here, not nearly as much as I imagine you saw them back in the States. Yeah. Um, and Yeah, I mean, they're still pretty, it's pretty rare, but it, I mean, it. it's like if I saw one, I'd be like, oh, interesting. It wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, you've got one of those, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they've, they've kind of, uh, their range of instruments across the board, like their jazzes and their PJ style instruments are... I mean, it's such a difficult thing to do when you want to make a jazz or a precision to give your instrument an edge and make it look like a Fender but not look like a Fender. I actually think they nailed it on on their models, their their um, their shifters and their their passion, which is the the, the two models. Um, I really like the shape; it's original, um, but you know, Fendery enough um, to be recognisable. Um, and it, I feel like they've done the same sort of style of modifications on the Dorchester in that they've taken a classic shape but made it new and different and interesting and cool. Um, but they go for like about a grand, which is a very reasonable sum of money for something that unique and cool. And I just I end up thinking about it an awful lot. Um, very yeah. cool. Have, have you have you got to play one? I have not. I have not. Um, I keep thinking about buying one, but I've got, I've just got. Mm. I have two custom shops on the go at the moment, and you know that are being built and slowly paid for, and I can't. I can't add anything more to this at the moment, which is uh, which is very problematic. Um, <laughs> it sounds up. So we're we're not, dear listener, we're not going to be able to complete this list um, as JD predicted before we started. We're not going to be able to predict this list. Um, you guys want to do one more? Should we do one more and then yeah. we'll finish the other two next week? I'm up for one more. So I, what should we do? We've got to choose. What do we go straight for best bass? I, I, so I'm I'm conflicted because I'm I feel like we either do one more or we sort of talk about all the th- ones that we didn't get a chance to talk about already um, in the categories that we wanted to talk about. Um, but yeah, I think we do one more. Okay. Yeah, okay. I've right. I've um very badly hinted at and tried to hide my <laughs> yes my input. So I've <laughs> so maybe okay. we leave we leave best based for next time because then okay. people will have forgotten. All right, and we'll leave. Well, but so- but people will just be annoyed at me then because I've I've talked already about my <laughs> best base. That is true. That is true. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's jump ahead. Let's do best base and then fretless and five string. We can do next week. Um, because this is a this is a big. This is a big one. Actually, maybe... Oh, God, no, I, this is not good. I'm sorry, this is not good podcasting, dear listener. Best Bass is such a big category that it will be the length of this podcast again. So you're right. Let's let's stay stay away from that and let's deal with Best Fretless Bass. It definitely has the least options of uh, of any, any of our categories it, when it comes to being available at the moment. You know, certainly I remember when, you know, when I was back at, at, at GAC... Um, we would have maybe three fretless instruments available at any one time to sort of the other, you know, 300 basses we had on display in the bass department. But, um, but yes, okay, fretless basses. Let's, uh, let's kick things off then. Um, uh, let's kick things off with you, JD. So this one, so before, before we had the available in a shop currently made, I was trying to think about sort of what's there um 
and I was really thinking about what I would look for in a fretless. And really, there's there's sort of two ways to go with it. It feels like the the sort of more acoustic vibe, um, sort of fretless, sort of uh, going that route. Which oddly enough, I have a pick that was um, by the same company you just mentioned. Um, or it was sort of the more hi-fi sound, which was, you know, some sort of very epoxied graphite fingerboarded thing. And, and initially I thought of uh, a Padula Penta, well, Penta, the five-string oh. one, but the, the Penta Buzz was what I was thinking, which is... Fantastic then, instruments. Yeah. They then, are available in shops, though. Yeah, but, but also um, he just retired uh, last oh, year. Really? So technically... Yeah probably not available um oh my god those bases are going to be going up in price yeah if he's not making them anymore i need to jump on that now i mean they're already like five grand a pop yeah i mean that being the other the other bit and then so i was kind of thinking like um like a modulus or some sort of other variant of it or, or something with a a graphite or ebonol sort of fingerboard or some yeah. sort of plasticky wood one um but i'm going to shift from all of that and go with the Godin A4, uh, which is their, <gasps> their <laughs> hollow body fretless bass um, that has the, it's the one that has the big, um, like, like thumb rest all the way down, you yes. know, the entire playing area. So you can choose where to rest your thumb. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not just for that reason, but I, th I think they're, that's probably, aside from, you know, like that's just going to be a, a nice classic instrument that would work for work for anything you know probably less great for metal probably less great for some other stuff but i think that's such a good you know i think it's about one like 1400 pounds or something like that yeah. i think is about about what you can get in a shop so you know like reasonable production price for those um yeah and it also keeps it from me not picking the same thing for the next two categories <laughs> <laughs> and do, do they have um is it just is it just the lace sensor that they have in the bridge or does it also have a piezo i think it is just a i think it's just i think the it's lace, just a lace sensor yeah so i i mean i'll say this like i have piezos in my that custom build that i use that i i have them on but like the I, I find certainly with acoustics, like this, the sound is a very specific sound, and I I feel like magnetics just work, right? Just magnetics now work so much nicer, and you know, unless obviously unless you're playing like a nylon string or something, but it's, um, I I find if you're playing an electric bass, the piezos usually they're nice to have, but I almost always rely on the magnetic more than anything. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, I think PSOs are, are wonderful as something that you can blend with. Yeah. They do become difficult on their own. I do I do disagree when it comes to fretless. I, I do think PSOs can work on their on their own well, but I, but it's a very specific application, I think, mm -hmm. on a on a fretless bass. Um certainly the you know, the biggest problem for me with PSOs are, is how badly they take they deal with any effects. Um, yeah, which you know, which, which makes it kind of limited. If you if you want to sound very traditional, they can be fantastic. But um, outside of that, they are they are tricky. 
Um, but yes, good, uh, nice to see Godin getting some representation. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, for sure. Naomi, awesome. fretless bass. Interestingly, I really went 50-50 on this, so I do have two models. Um, I just couldn't couldn't keep it to one. But I'll tell you the first. The first okay. um, I stumbled upon in a, a YouTube, let's call it a Y-hole, a rabbit hole of YouTube. <laughs> uh, I forget even what I was looking at, to be honest, or looking for, as is often the way in my gear demo perusing, but I stumbled upon this some time ago. Um, it's the Ibanez 705 SRF. Um, yes. Comes in, yeah, do you know the one? I it's do very well. The, it was yeah, nearly my choice as well. Oh, well, cool. Well, oh, actually, yeah. no, the, sorry, the 705 is the one with loads of frets, even though there's no, they're not frets, right? Yeah, it's, it's a super, um, it is a super long neck on that. Is it a 24 fret equivalent? I think it might be. I need to double check that. But it's the it's the Okume body. Um yeah. and uh <laughs> on the on the unusual wood um continuation, a panga panga fretboard. Nice. Uh, which I That's found out one. is a is a cousin of Wenge. There you go. So um yeah, but I'm I'm I think we've talked about it before. I'm a sucker for Okume bodies. Um I think it's an absolutely stunning tone wood. And it was, I think I might even have been doing something else, like had Ableton open or something and this demo came on and I just thought this sounds absolutely fantastic. And I, I took is down it, the Is it the Bartolini's? It is. It's two Bartolini MK1s yeah. you've got on there. And yeah, I mean, well under the thousand pound price mark, you're talking about 850, um, 850 pounds. Um but yeah, stunning range, super versatile um, tonally as well. Um, you can get kind of more gnarly and pokey or be super resonant and woody and subby in your tone. I'm surprised so, you didn't go for the SRH um, in, instead. The SRH. So what is the difference with the SRH again? The SRH was their piezo loaded um, hollow body one, but they made it a deeper. They made they made the body deeper because it's, it's a, a you know a, a semi-hollow instrument and it is it is just a piezo but yes. i kind of feel like the the srh was what they moved to after the even though the srf is still current the srf is, mm. has been in their catalog for a long time the yeah. srh was their kind of newer thing mm-hmm. um and but that i i think for me i really liked the srh because i i don't like that sr body shape um, no, that is the one thing that I wouldn't have been fond on is um, is visually, but obviously... Uh, to, to quote Mark Packham, it looks like a sucked sweet. Um, <laughs> which is, it looks like someone's sucked the guitar. Oh, that sounds... Okay. Yeah, that, that's what it looks like. It just is yeah. too... It, I, it looks like it's been in a wind cave thing. So, you know, it's, uh, so this, is, this, is the one, this is the one they called the Portamento, wasn't it? The 705. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that that's yeah, that yeah, that's a good shout cuz that was the the 30 30 fret equivalent neck or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was like yeah. two and a half octave. Yeah. That's huge. That's range. the right answer. That's yeah. the right. That's such it's, a good shout. It's very good. Do you do you, you know base the world mm-hmm. um the YouTube channel. You know that I can never remember his name, the bearded fella who uh, does a lot of their playing. He's an incredible player. You do, yeah. you remember? I can't remember his name. I, can't remember. I remember him playing that the the SRF, and I was like, oh, 
yeah, that's he he makes it work. Like it's uh, it was always when that instrument came in, I was like, why has a fretless bass got this many frets? You know, yeah. you know, neck length. But it's uh, I definitely agree. It's a fantastic sounding instrument, and that's the thing about yeah. Ibanez. They're so good at that price point at like. Affordable style. Here's an affordable bass. Well, we've got in there. Oh, Nordstrands. Oh, Bartolini's. Yeah. You know, what's it made of? Oh, yeah, Akume. Yeah. Oh, you want you you want bold popular? You know. Yeah, like those are those are pretty good appointments for that for that price range in an already unusual category. Yeah. Um, or or a, a you know an already more niche category with with fretless. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. My second choice, just to super quickly sneak it in there. Uh, was well off the beaten track. Um, I don't know, are either of you familiar with the Takamine TB10? Does that ring any bells? No. It's a a hybrid, a hybrid fretless bass, upright bass. Um, Basically, if you imagine a (gasps) jumbo... Yeah. Oh, it's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. If you imagine a jumbo body with an extendable spike so it can be stood up, Yes. Everything is is arched. You've got a. um, No, it's two thousand pounds. It's too. But hey, you know, it's I. I managed to sneak it in there under the under the four. I think if this had been affordable, I would have clicked by now. I (laughs) I think this is a great trick because like I, it was so hard for me to like not just be like, well, it's going to be my like an NS upright. It'd be my you know the best fretless bass. But like, oh yeah, this is. This is great. This is... It's, it's so cool. So good. So oh, I, Lister, you have to check this out. The TB10. I mean, yeah. I don't it's know. also yeah. Red Stain Fretless. That's what it's called. Red Stain. You red can stain. you can get it by the looks of it. You can get it in a... Oh, no, yeah. It is just called Red Stain. Yeah, you're right. I just Absolutely. think that's such a good name. Like, no. I need, I need to but find it, an affordable <laughs> alternative of this I'm, instrument. I'm just now trying to think of things I don't like about it, and I'm... <laughs> there's nothing i don't like about it it's like never go well, to this a page is... that has by now oh. uh, yeah yeah i know well let's see is it okay well let you know the page i'm looking at at least for you guys to know it's 14 to 18 weeks so that's plenty of time to think about how much yeah just just how much you need it but um yeah just to just to come back to some of its appointments they're they're really like a kind of a high-end acoustic guitar you've got maple back and sides and a sitka spruce top it sounds huge it sounds so big it sounds every bit as powerful to an acoustic ear as a double bass when played um when played you know horizontally like an electric bass or in this case like a like an electroacoustic bass um it calls itself semi-resonant, so it um it very much is kind of hybrid in every way. I see, and, um, and it's just it's you know it, it's modest. It is. Mo- it, I am exactly, sure yeah. it is resonant. Oh, it is. <laughs> it trust me when I say it is. So I was lucky to see one of these in the in the wood, in the flesh, in the wood, um, at a it was a a dealer visit, um that I was doing as part of uh, part of a job that I was on. And uh, we got to see some very cool previews that uh, Takamini were going to have coming in for 20 for 2020, perhaps it could have been just last winter that we were that we were out there. Um, but we saw some awesome guitar models. And then this was in the corner and I was supposed to be looking at the guitar models. And I asked 
um, I asked the product specialist immediately about the GP10 and <laughs> and how quickly I could potentially get one. So it, it definitely had a similar initial effect on me as it has on both of both of you guys. Oh, this this feels like one of those like not like beyond a step beyond the traditional like Ibanez like let's make some cool stuff and see if it sticks you know but like it feels like concept car kind of things where they're like here we go with no wheels you know and it's just like <laughs> but but you can act like I'm on a page and I could literally click add to basket it's in stock if I order what? before before 3 p.m. now or 3 p.m. tomorrow <laughs> it will arrive on Tuesday I'm, I'm, I am uh, I am very tempted by this. Do you know what I've just thought? I, I realised that even though we've all sort of made our own suggestions, we should have decided what won each of these categories as well. Because even though this wasn't your first category, I'm pretty sure we're all now like, yeah, this is the best fretless bass. I mean, but this is the one. TB10. I thought we were, we're going to do a gear of the lockdown. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's it gives us it gives us an indefinite period of time. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel now like there's no point in me suggesting mine because this is better. Um, oh, well, go on. We'd love to hear it still. Yeah, yeah, yeah fine. We, okay. I want, we want to hear it and then we'll go. Yeah, let's talk about the TB. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I, I said, so, okay, fine. What I was going to go for was kind of, I, I felt bad because I realized I was slightly breaking the, the rules. I'm not breaking the rules because it is readily available and it is very affordable, but I have gone for a slightly boutique brand in that it's still made, it's still built. A, a Lightwave. Um, oh. You guys aware of Lightwave? The VL42. Yeah. Um, so this is, you know, they go for, you can currently pick one up on basedirect.co.uk if, listener, you're in the in the UK. I mean, uh, oh, actually, I think it's... It's it's cheaper to if you if you're outside of the EU, believe it or not. For, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why, but um, but it's fifteen hundred pounds, um, which is a is a very reasonable price price for a, a, a VL4 um, Mark II. But it's their lined fretless. Now it is, of of course, as I was hinting, big fan of a piezo. This is a a solely piezo loaded, but with a massive amount of tone shaping. Uh, indeed. You're looking at an, an entire four-band EQ um, for this, as well as love. I'm a big fan when it comes to modern in, in, instruments. Um, uh, those uh, mono, what do you call them? Is it monorail? No, is it monorail is the right yeah, word. Like I can't remember bridge. when it's. Yeah, when it's yeah. individual bridge pieces, yeah. that is actually a kind of a modern thing that I think works. Like having each string dealt with on its own bridge piece is a good idea. That makes sense. You know, for it is sort of for resonance wise. So lovely yeah. big um uh you know sort of mono piece bridge, huge EQ setting. It's it's uh it's semi hollow, it's chambered, it's got a lovely sort of F hole on the uh on the top. Um and you can get these unlined, um, but obviously also also uh you can get them the, the lined is the is the standard. Um absolutely wonderful gorgeous instruments um so yeah so i think it's yeah you get what do you get you get bass boosting cut a mid boosting cut a mid sweep and then a blend and Gotta then a warm and cool toggle which is pretty rad um so what is the i'm just trying to see i'm, I'm looking at a transparent black here yeah I believe. and i just sorry i 
I wasn't paying attention because it wasn't about the TB10. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we can... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking about the TB10 as I talk to you about the Lightwave VL4, I'm not going to lie. Um, no, I'm not. Um, also, you say you're looking at the Mark II, Joe. You're, sorry, you're talking about the Mark II. The VL4. Um, yeah, the VL4. Well, yeah. Was it a VL4 Mark II? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, uh, I... the uh, the the link to the very one I'm looking at is currently in the chat. But um, oh yeah, but yeah, I I just think these things are fantastic bang for their buck. I kind of when I first tried a light wave, I was like, oh, you know, this, it was at a show, obviously, and yeah. I was like, yeah. this is a. It just felt like I was playing a you know a four thousand pound instrument. You know, it was everything about it was so so beautiful and so perfect, and and tonally it was just so lively and incredible. And then you realise that they are, you know, twelve to fifteen hundred pounds. It's it's just incredible, and that piezo gives you access to all of those double bassy tones, which is kind of important to me when I'm playing a fretless. I want those tones. But I also want that sort of Jacko thing, yeah. that like bridge pickup tone. And this does that really, really well. Um, you know, I, I, I've never owned one. The only fretlesses I've ever played have been, ever owned, have been either a jazz bass or um, a, an Ibanez Roadster, which is still to date, as sort of people who have listened to the podcast, the Guitarnas podcast for a long time, my biggest regret of selling my 1979 fretless Ibanez Roadster. Yeah, um, that was a that was a mistake. But uh, yeah, so I I wasn't really aware that Lightwave wasn't just like that that anything had not just the their optical pickups, or yeah, so. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know what what were the optical pickups. These are the only ones I've played actually. Yeah, so the the optical pickups they basically like at least when they first came out. Um, and I haven't really paid that much attention for a long time. But like when they first came out, it was actually so like the so like how a Morley wall uses an optical sensor as opposed to like to actually a string to rotate the oh, pot yeah, like yeah. a Dunlap. So the it's the same sort of thing where like it was a beam of light. And it just measured the string vibrating side to side, and 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 it acted much like a piezo, but it was it was actually a light as opposed to like the pressure crystal that you have. So it wasn't the pressure pushing down on the string like a piezo. It was the 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 actual vibration of the string moving and disrupting the beam of light that it was. What? Yeah, that's that's how like the this original lightweight pickups worked. It's like, and so like, so yeah, so it makes me now is. It, you know, if I didn't want to be like typey typey sounds on a podcast, I'm <laughs> looking this up more. But like, but like that was that was always my understanding of those. And I think the the Gen ones when they first came out, a lot of them were great until you were sort of like one doing an outdoor festival. I mean, it was it was a sealed <laughs> component, so there's like the string passed through, um, like basically this dark chamber, but it required a dark chamber. Um, right. To be able to measure accurately, but I'd, I've only ever heard good things about them. But it just it seemed it seemed like one of those things that was like such a good idea that probably just wasn't there yet. You know, like <laughs> at, at least for yeah. me, you know, or I wasn't going to get two or three of them to play. So I did yeah you know, for like backups and stuff on you know like on the road and anything. So um, yeah, but that's that's interesting. I have to I have to look this up and yeah. Or listeners, uh, feel free to uh, 
communicate however <laughs> <laughs> yeah they 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 are they are super cool but i definitely think obviously you know the tb10 has won this um as the as the best fretless although i am currently on reverb hovering over the add to cart on a 1981 Ibanez Roadster bass. Oh, um, this has taken you down memory lane, I think. Oh, no. Yeah, it has. I'm really glad we didn't do best bass uh, yeah. today, actually, because yeah. I, I'm definitely, I'm I'm hovering over an extraordinarily expensive instrument for, for when we talk about that. And I'm worried awesome. that talking about it when I have a computer in front of me is going gonna, is gonna to result in a purchase, but... Well, uh, I I feel like this fretless conversation has thrown all of us in yeah. completely uh, splaying directions. I'm just reading more about the about the light wave here, and I'm absolutely fascinated. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I am potentially going to be turning up to the next podcast as as an owner of a VL4, having <laughs> yeah. having first seen one tonight. But um, yeah, this optical pickup um, idea. It, you know what it strikes me as? It literally strikes me as as ingenious as MIDI. But from what you're describing. Um, JD, you know, it sounds like the the early early days of MIDI technology, where you would you would hit a key on your on your controller and go and make a cup of tea and come back, and the note would have yeah. played five minutes later, kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. just so well, sorry, not to in any way discount this technology, but your your very real uh, practical application of being outdoors at a festival or. You know, there's quite a lot of practical applications that maybe sound like um, I mean, the, initi- the initial technology was perhaps a little rocky. I mean, the idea now, right, like that I just keep thinking of like creative uses of it, of being able to be like, what if I had uh, an LED torch or a flashlight for our North American listeners um, <laughs> and could just take that. And I also read that on the group today. Uh, also, I, did. And I was going to say that <laughs> didn't yeah. come up. Yeah. <laughs> and then just uh, push, you know, like what if you could shine that light down, like where the, like in the pickup cavity, what would that do to the sound? Could you then use that as like some sort of controlled feedback, you know, like oh all my these God. possibilities. Endless. <gasps> yeah. So that's, yeah. Uh... That sounds wonderful and exciting. Well, uh, that 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 pretty much that brings us up to well, actually wildly over time for for this week's episode of uh, the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast. There you go, listener who also listens to the Guitar Nerds podcast. <laughs> Do you remember when uh, when hosts had things to talk about? Yeah, that's uh, that's what's happening here on the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast. <laughs> the Guitar Nerds podcast it dried up four years ago. I'm telling you, but uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is great. We're uh, we're going to be back next week where we're going to complete our discussion of our favourite basses. So next week we've got to talk about our favourite five strings and, of course, what we will in- end up inevitably talking about for well over an hour. Our favourite bass of all basses that is currently available. Um, and not, you know, not some, not, not a ridiculous custom shop. But, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be an interesting discussion. I'm probably going to buy something. It's going to be terrible. Um, yeah, awful. Uh, but, yes, we will uh, we'll be back next week with more of that. You can, of course, join us um, on all of the social medias with at Guitar Nerds. Or join us on Facebook, on our Facebook group with facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds forum. Um, or on patreon.com forward slash katanas where you can get loads of extra content every week. Um, I said we'll be back next week, but we won't. We'll be back the week after. So, uh, yes, we'll catch you then for more of this bass guitar nerdery. Farewell. Goodbye.
Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.